0: Before I read the text this morning and begin the sermon, just a couple brief things I'd like to say. One, to my dear wife who's at home, uh, she's recovering from COVID as I did last week and so much would love to be here and I love it when she's here when I'm able to preach and we surely both missed being with our brothers and sisters in Christ here last week when I was way down with the, the COVID fatigue. i also like to make... A point here that I'm going to bring out in the sermon, I put something that has been on my heart for about a year or so. It's a prayer guide for our state capitol. And I put a number of copies out on each of the tables that we have for things today that lists all 203 members of our General Assembly. Um, uh, 250, 53. sorry, 203 uh, representatives and 50 senators as well as our president as well as our governor and lieutenant governor and others that serve in our state capitol to guide the people of God in praying as just pastor Troy was talking about praying for those that served in our civil government which is one of the foundational aspects of my work with ministry to state so with those couple announcements uh, left uh, Would you join with me as you are willing and able to stand to hear the reading of God's word taken from Psalm 23. I will only be preaching on the first three verses today, but I'll be reading all six this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks be to God. This is the word of God. Please be seated. I can't commend enough a book that my wife and I have been reading for the last two years as our daily devotion in the mornings. It's called New Morning Mercies by a man named Paul David Tripp. And July 22nd, God spoke to us using the wonderful words of Paul David Tripp and I thought it was a wonderful way, a very appropriate way to begin this sermon on Psalm 23. Every day of your life you will find reasons to complain and every day of your life you will have reasons to be thankful. These two themes, complaint and gratitude, pull at the heart of each of us. They form fundamentally different ways of viewing the world because they are rooted in fundamentally different ways of viewing yourself. What is your default language? Do you find it easier to complain than to give thanks? Is grumbling the regular noise of your existence? Are you easily irritated and quickly impatient? Do mundane things get under your skin? Would the people who live nearest you characterize you as a thankful person or a complaining person? Do you look at your world and find yourself blown away at the many reasons you have every day to give thanks? Do you see yourself as one who has been showered with blessings? Are you humbled by the myriad of things in your life that you regularly enjoy, but you could never argue you deserve? How often? do you whisper thanks to God or communicate thanks to those around you? This well-known and beloved Psalm 23 is a precious prayer of a man in whom God has truly worked his divine way into his heart and mind. David has been described as a man after God's own heart. Yet he does not always follow in that path. At various times he sought his own way and desired His own will to be done before and above the perfect will of God Almighty. This is a prayer of a man who is clearly thankful for all that he knows he has as a beloved sheep of God. There is no complaint in this passage. There is no judgment in this short psalm. There is no condemnation for his sin or the sin of others. There is no expression of anguish or sorrow or pain by David. There is, however, a fullness of thanksgiving seized with clear remembrances of God's daily provisions of love and mercy for David. This beautiful prayer is David's lovely poetic expression of him being graciously at peace with God. Intimately knowing God as his devoted and determined caregiver. As well as his eternal protector. The only one who is always ready, willing, and able to provide all that David ever needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will never lack anything. The Lord Yahweh used here is what's referred to as the Tetragrammaton. These are four consonants that we fill at various times with different vowels to get a pronunciation of Yahweh or Jehovah. Instead of some impersonal title, as may be used to address a dignitary or head of state, David uses the intimately personal name that God used to introduce himself to Moses. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. One Old Testament theologian expressed that I am can also be appreciated and translated as I will be present, is what I will be. And expanded to even include, I will be present with my people to be whatever they need me to be for them. Some of us who have been parents can appreciate that reality, not just as shepherds, but we want to be whatever our kids need us to be, to help them in any way possible. Instead of speaking about God and using a formal title, David uses this intimate and personal name God provided to his people. He is using Yahweh. He who is and will always be with his people and care for their every need. This Yahweh, David says, is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. Think about that for a little bit. Do you think of God, your Savior Jesus Christ, that way? As David is understanding and calling Yahweh my shepherd. David speaks with determination in this first verse when he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. David does not have any other shepherd. He emphatically says that he is no other god but the one true and living God. David himself, a shepherd, knows the seriousness of being one who takes care of his flock. He knew it was by God's power and strength that he was able to protect his family's flock of sheep by slaying wild beasts. Even though still a boy, but an experienced shepherd, knowingly dependent upon the great shepherd of his people, David went up against Goliath, when the rest of Israel had retreated in fear. He speaks not with confidence in his shepherding abilities. But instead David speaks of the abilities of the great shepherd of his sheep. When he speaks directly to Goliath of Gath. Who has been blaspheming God. Found in First Samuel 17. You come against me with sword, spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into my hands. As with here before the Philistine army and with Goliath its champion, David in Psalm 23 declares his complete devotion and identity with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It is he who is his shepherd and no other. There is a sincere determination in David's proclamation as he declares, Yahweh is my shepherd. David is echoing the words of God's call through Moses to his people that they shall have no other gods before him. According to David, Yahweh alone is his shepherd. He knows he can, find, can only find lasting and complete satisfaction in this life and in the next with Yahweh as his vigilant shepherd. It is worthless to try and look elsewhere for another to provide more. The flock does not need, does not, excuse me, the flock does not keep the shepherd. It is the shepherd who keeps the flock. The flock is fully and absolutely dependent upon the loving and skillful care of the shepherd. While Yahweh is utterly independent of his sheep. He does not need anything from them, but has chosen to give his love and devotion to them for their blessing and benefit unto his glory in Jesus Christ. Paul describes this a bit when he writes to the the church in Philippi in chapter 4 and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus the shepherd's will determines the will of the flock and each shepherd must follow each sheep must follow the will of the shepherd the shepherd knows the needs of the flock better than the sheep themselves know their own needs it is critical for each sheep to look away from self for ultimate care and provision because a sheep just can't provide all that is needed. Trust in the shepherd to keep, lead, and feed the flock. David, after being confronted by Nathan for his great sin while Israel's king, proclaims in Psalm 51 this reality that Yahweh alone is able to provide what David needs. What you and I and every one of us need that we cannot ever provide. He goes on to say these words in Psalm 51, beginning in verse 7. Cleanse me with isop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. David's shepherd is a good shepherd. Who provides for the everyday needs and also for the extraordinary needs of his sheep. Philip Keller, a pastor who spent eight years as a shepherd of four-legged sheep. Offers some insight into their habits that often are much like those of the two-legged kind of sheep. Sheep, he found out, do not lie down easily. They need four things to help them lie down and rest. They need freedom from fear. Due to their timidity and lack of ability to defend themselves, it is easily for them to be afraid. The second one is a freedom from friction. They need peace among the other sheep of the flock. Which really the shepherd alone can provide. They need to be free from flies and parasites. They have no way to deal with these things on their own. They are helpless against those types of little things that can so easily affect them. Free from the need to find food. To be full and satisfied. So David is describing an extraordinary thing to happen when shepherding sheep. Only a willing and capable shepherd can make his sheep lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It is a fascinating characteristic of sheep as described by Philip Keller. Sheep can get themselves in a situation called being cast down. A sheep that is too heavy or long fleeced can get stuck after lying down in a little depression or a hollow area in the ground. All its efforts to right itself only make the situation worse. As its feet get further away from the ground. If a shepherd does not come along to rescue the sheep in the space of a few hours... The sheep could die by lack of circulation in their legs. They need constant care. Always being over, looking over. Like the sheep who are cast down, all of us are absolutely and completely dependent upon God in Jesus Christ for everything we need. Materially and spiritually, especially for the restoration of our souls. The very beating of our hearts the movement of our mind, so many of the things, the breathing that we take on every day until we cannot breathe as we would normally breathe, is all a gift given by God. And we are absolutely, utterly, and eternally dependent upon Him for every aspect of our lives. It is Jesus who is the Good Shepherd and who comes As Yahweh in the flesh. Jesus declared with seven I am statements. Just as David uses to talk about his good shepherd in Psalm 23. Perfectly placed throughout the gospel according to John. That he is the living God. The word who has come in the flesh. Jesus uses the I am of Psalm 23. As unto himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the true vine. And in John 10, Jesus says this about himself. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus, at the end of his earthly life, gave his eleven disciples a commission to carry. That which they were to do after he left. As his beloved sheep, they are to carry on the good work of the shepherd, which he began in them and promised to perfect it in them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, as recorded in Matthew 28, verse 18 and following, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Well, after taking this time with Psalm 23, as David's comforting and empowering prayer of rest and satisfaction in Yahweh through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the every day and in the every way of life, how do you now respond to the opening question? What is your default language? Do you find it easier to complain about your daily situations and the way you are treated by others, rather than give thanks to God at all times and in all places? Complaining is easier to do when we place ourselves at the center of our lives and neglect the guidance, direction, promises, and daily provisions of our Good Shepherd. The Apostle Paul reminded the followers of Jesus in Philippi in the spirit of Psalm 23 when he shared these wonderful words of God with them, found in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident To all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can learn and grow in enjoying Christ's everyday care. As his good shepherd, let's think about this a moment for with using just one component that we have from God's word found in Psalm 19, just the first last several verses, verses seven and 11, as just one place to guide us in this great adventure of declaring the Lord is my shepherd and no other, while living for his will to be done in our lives here on earth as it surely is done in heaven. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them is great reward. I'd like to tell you a little story about living out Psalm 23 in our daily lives in Jesus. I'm not sure if this is a true story, but I came across it, and I find it to be appropriate. Whether it was a true incident or someone made it up, the application, I think, is, is very pertinent for each of us. There was a farmer who grew excellent corn, who regularly won awards for his great corn. He also consistently shared his seed with his fellow farming neighbors. When a reporter discovered this, he asked the farmer... How can you afford to share your best seed with your neighbors when they are entering the corn competition with yours, with you? Why, sir, said the farmer, didn't you know? The wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it from field to field, fertilizing all of our crops. Sharing my good seed with my neighbors profits all of us. By each being able to grow good corn. In the excellent care of the Lord God in Jesus Christ. Our good shepherd. And by the power and daily presence of the Holy Spirit. We his beloved sheep. Are in the best position. To share his good seed. With all of our neighbors. In so doing, God is pleased to bless and prosper its growth as He sees fit. Our good seed is like what David described in Psalm 23. We know the reality of being satisfied and not wanting, knowing love in ways that many never experience. We have experienced forgiveness in a manner that too many never understand or are able to embrace. We have been brought to precious places of peace to lie down and find rest for our weary souls. We have come to the end of our rope and see Jesus holding us up and embracing us with his compassion and care through the Holy Spirit. We know the truth of God and it has set us free from ourselves. We talk to God in prayer and know that he hears us because of our gracious relationship with Jesus by his wonderful gift of faith and I could go on as you probably could go on we know the daily and extraordinary the extraordinary care of a loving shepherd who has given his life for his sheep each of us knows that our life experiences are not flawless sin regularly gets in the way but it is it no longer dominates us And in spite of all that clouds our vision at times, we can see the reality of life, even if only dimly at times. Sure, we have many ups and downs, and at times our good shepherd seems so very far away. And we are experiencing seemingly devastating needs. Sometimes our hurts are so deep and lasting that we don't think they will ever end. And sometimes they don't, this side of glory. Nonetheless, the good shepherd is with each of his children, with each of his cherished sheep. And he often leaves the 99 to go and retrieve that one who is lost. If God is moving in your heart and mind today, and you would like to know him as David describes in Psalm 23, I beg of you to cry out to him. Ask him to open your heart and give you the desire to search his word more, to pray to him more, to ask the leaders of this congregation or someone else who you trust about what it means to be at peace with Yahweh through faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For those of you who reflect the precious thoughts of Psalm 23, having come to know God and Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, even if only dimly at times, and are trusting in him for all of your needs, please consider the regular and extraordinary ways you may share your good seed that God has given to you with those around you in a particular part of his kingdom. You have a mission field that is unique for you Every one of us has a mission field that is unique for us. Some large, some small, some far away, and some close by. A group of people for whom God has placed you in their sphere of involvement for his glory. Through the work to which God has called me with ministry to state, I would particularly like for you to consider how God may be pleased to use you to involve yourself personally in the lives of those who serve in our civil government. One theologian wrote this, I thought was quite pertinent, to remind us of our engagement as ambassadors for Christ, as his very salt and light in this world, those that bear the good seed and can share it with others. Governments today exist at God's pleasure, They are his servants. Their purpose is to sustain and advance God's rule of goodness on earth. And our role as kingdom citizens within one or another civil administration is to help civil government accomplish God's purpose for it. Prayer is fundamental, not supplemental. Please ask God to guide you in maybe using these three steps. I have found them useful, even though I don't apply them as well as I would like to through the course of my life in Christ. Pray. Start by praying. Ask God for direction on what he would have you to do. Prepare. Prepare what you need to do to carry out his calling upon your life as it relates to meaningful contact, and sharing of the good seed with others. And then participate in whatever way is best for you and your current capabilities. Sometimes it might mean going someplace you have never gone before. Taking a step in a direction that you were fearful of taking, but now in the confidence and care of your good shepherd, he is enabling you to take that step that seemed impossible in days past. Praying for those in their civil government is a part of a larger call for the followers of Jesus to embrace the promise and obey the command of God's word to unite in prayer for the good of our state, for our nation, for the progress of the good news of Jesus Christ, and for the furthering of the kingdom of God unto his eternal glory in Jesus Christ one of the things that has happened to me in the course of this praying for just about the last year, not every day, but most days, praying for seven members of our House of Representatives and two members of our Senate, and taking to heart where God had admonished me to pray more and complain less. Where I would see things that I would want to complain about God has moved more in my heart, it's not perfected yet, but more in my heart to start praying for those things unto the glory of God. Taking me from a place where I am contributing with God in those things that God is desiring to do and not just being a complainer. A couple suggestions to consider as you look to apply the reality of the Good Shepherd in your life. Take a copy of the prayer guide that I put in the back to pray for each member of our House of Representatives. You can pray for as many or just a few on any given day. Get to know these members by going to the state legislature website listed on the prayer guide. Find out who are your local representatives and seek God's direction on how best to minister to them in the name of Jesus and for his glory. I put up on the website their pictures, and I look and read their bios. And God has changed me in how I look at them. I may be completely opposite in their morals, in their political desires, but I have begun to see, i begun to see them as people. And I've come to realize that there are people that are in our state legislature that may be there only for the purpose that I get to pray for them. That God has brought them into office, that I can pray and maybe even encounter them, that they may come to Christ. Started to see them beyond simply people that I want to complain about, want to write off, want to complain to others about, but I see them as people. God has created and put in positions where I can love and care for them unto his glory, regardless of their position regardless of their history, regardless of even their political and moral goals. They are people that God has placed in position that I can love. Contact me and we can talk about, talk and pray about what God may have for you to do. I'm available to help anyone who would like to be used of God to minister those who are serving in our civil government. Proverbs reminds us of the power of God as our great and good and wonderful shepherd. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Please keep in mind that as we pray to God in Jesus Christ, in the confidence and care of him being our good shepherd, it is he who decides what is best for his people, and what is most glorious to his great name. In praying, we are not trying to convince God to do something he is unwilling to do. Instead, we are joining in seeking His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God graciously uses the prayers of His people to draw them closer to Him in Jesus as He works out His blessed providence and perfect will to be done as He desires. I will close with this lovely prayer by the Apostle Paul for the saints in Ephesus. It is in the context of Paul explaining that God is bringing together both Jew and Gentile as one people in Christ. I pray that out of His glorious riches God may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is work, at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Please expect great things from God and thereby attempt great things for God. Let us pray.